We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sean Payton, keep talking that shit. we gonna see him soon. You feel me? Whew. Welcome back to another episode of the Budding Heads Podcast from Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Barbero. As always... I'm here with Johnny Gomez, and Johnny, I just want to get this out of the way. Uh, There's an undisclosed player, uh, one cornerback, Marcus Peters, who appears in our intro, and I just want to say that the official stance of this podcast is that we have no comment on the Marcus Peters helmet incident. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah. The... uh... The Marcus Peter helmet incident. Uh, you know, there's a there's a lot of things I'd like to refrain from commenting on, but we're gonna do it anyway. So let's 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 get right into it. <laughs> no comment. Uh, if no flag, no foul. You know what they say, right? Just like in the <laughs> NFC Championship. Uh, you know what? Shit happens, man. 
we move on. Um, well, big week, obviously. Uh, this is coming out Wednesday night, so we're a couple days removed from the Saints win. That does not mean we are not about to take another victory lap around Bourbon Street and discuss the Saints game before we get to our friends in Cleveland. I got to see the Browns up close and personal this week, so I'll, I have <laughs> I have thoughts about that team. But before we get into it, guys, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you have not yet, you'll be entered to win a $75 gift card to NFLShop.com if you send your review to Ramstalk1945 at gmail.com with your name. And Derek will read on the air if it's good. And, of course, don't forget our other shows on the feed, Rams Talk Radio, Rams Uncensored, Rampage Radio, back with our boy J-Rob, and the Rams Brothers Podcast coming to the feed. But enough about the all that, Johnny. We got a lot to talk about this week. The Rams trounced the Saints 27-9. Now, it is worth noting, and this is important, that Drew Brees exited the game right after the second drive. Uh, Aaron Donald gave him a high five, knocked him out for six weeks, and he exited the game with a 44.2 passer rating. And their backup, Teddy Bridgewater, came in, and he actually had a 72.2 passing rating with no turnovers, uh, Drew Brees did turn the ball over once, so I would say it's pretty clear from a numbers perspective that they actually up upgraded when Teddy came out of the field. He had a better passing rating, no turnovers. So I mean, really big win for the Rams going up. You know, Teddy Bridgewater played much better with Brees, so they kind of got a they got a a gift with him going out, and they still lost. Uh, absolutely, I I think. If you're going to go by that, I will say there is one thing that we're not considering here when uh, if you're going to bring up the interception that Drew Brees surrendered. It really wasn't Drew Brees' fault. Actually, uh, Steve, I, I've been kind of waiting for this topic ever since the moment happened, basically. Why don't you enlighten our audience what exactly happened for Drew Brees to get that interception. <laughs> ah, well, former Ram tight end Jared Cook now plays for the Saints. He's been around the block, had some success against the Rams and other places. He did not have success in this game. As a matter of fact, first drive, he, he goes to catch a deep ball, uh, gets his hands on it, gets knocked, laid out by Eric Weddle, Drops the ball. It kind of rolls over his body right into John Johnson's hand, who grabs it. Uh, Jared Cook kind of, like, pokes him in the eye a little bit. If you watch the replay, which I did and I saw, uh, he will not get a pass like we're getting <laughs> Marcus Peters. Um, but a hell of a day for Jared Cook. Uh, he dropped a pass later on in the game, so that's two drops for him. Uh, he had a block in the back on Corey Littleton, which negated Alvin Kamara's best Run of the day, 18 yards, called back, thanks to a block in the back on number 87. Uh, he missed a pretty big block on Nick Roby Coleman, which had a play blown up. I think we dropped him for like 10 yards in that play. Uh, and rookie Taylor Rapp just, just kind of ate his lunch up and down the field in this game, man. Uh, so this was great. This is exactly the kind of palate cleanser I needed, and I enjoyed every second of it. Jesus, Steve! I just asked what he what happened to cause the interception. Not not every fault that Jared Cook had. I I brought all the receipts, Johnny. I brought all the receipts. 
And it should be noted that the Saints did get robbed of a touchdown in this game, uh, which would have given them an additional seven points. It was a bad call by the refs, no doubt about it. Uh, So just so Sean Payton is aware, we are giving them a pass. We're actually going to give them the points on the board. Uh, So in this game, the Saints still lost by double digits, 27 to 16. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, Yeah, about the touchdown. That was another thing. As soon as I saw this, I immediately had to text Steve uh, that this, we we weren't going to hear the end of it. And somehow, some way, I still think that this is going to be something that they talk about for a long time still, even though that wasn't a deciding factor in the game. I, I mean, yes, it could have altered the game a little bit, but let's be real. Their offense was doing nothing against our defense the de- actually I was really proud of how the defense was playing you know they limited Alvin Kamara which is not an easy thing to do especially based on recent games um you know they Latavius Murray didn't really have a any factor either Jared Cook we've already discussed <laughs> struggled in this one and so there there was nothing they can do you could argue that Drew Brees would have made a difference. Well, it, it doesn't matter either way. He was out of the game, and not that he was doing all that great anyway, but Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Brees, doesn't matter who it was, was struggling in this game. So if you add the seven points in this game, it's still, you know, they still wouldn't have been able to beat the Rams. And anybody that says different is either a diehard Saints fan or is Sean Payton. <laughs> Well, we know Sean Payton saying different. Uh, well, I mean, we now that we've gotten our semi-serious takes out of the way, uh, like we can get to the real takes. Like, yes, if Drew Brees plays, they have a better chance of winning. Yes, that fumble definitely changed the course of the game. The the momentum kind of gets sucked out of the light their room. But look, it's also like the NFC Championship when that call got played. You know, it's not like the Rams kicked a field goal and like kept the ball on that fumble. They still turned it over and the Saints still got the ball and, and didn't do anything with it. Uh, I I really think if Breeze plays and even if they get the points there that we still would have won this game because uh, they they were not doing anything on offense with or without Breeze. Uh, I don't think he looked very good while he was out there. I know the interception wasn't his fault, but not like he was lighting the world on fire at all, man. Uh, yeah, they would have a better chance of winning, but I don't know, and I don't even think Teddy played that bad, all things considered. This was his first game that mattered since 2016, and not even the 2016 season. January 2016 in a playoff game. They just mistake after mistake penalty-wise for this team, and you know you see all the replays. Uh, yeah, they got screwed on the, the fumble recovery, but... Pretty much every call that got called against him was a penalty and like a sloppy one at best. And and the Rams, you know, we did similar things this game. We had a lot of sloppy plays. We we missed a ton of opportunities, especially in the first half. I mean, the the score it was six to three at halftime. It should have been more, uh, all things considered, because we missed a ton of opportunities. And I just you know, the second half we didn't break and they did and th- that that's to me is the story of this game i know you didn't have drew Brees, but they they definitely broke to me in that second half and they 
by the start of the fourth quarter, they'd quit. Uh, they they didn't want to be there. No, I, I, it just it, it did. I mean, it's like you said, Drew Brees is kind of like the leading captain of this team, and taking him out of the equation does alter the game quite a bit, you know. And and I will agree that you know Brees being in the in the game would have you know somewhat made the game go a little bit more smoother but you know in the end they weren't ready it didn't seem like they they were ready for this game at all the mistakes were just too great there there was plenty of drop passes there was plenty of uh kind of pointless penalties that really hurt them a lot and you know they didn't really have an answer for for the Rams offense in the second half. They did a they did a decent job in the first half, but towards the second half they just couldn't stop them and you know I still I'm still amazed at Cooper Cup at how they allowed him to basically score a touchdown. I mean he didn't get the touchdown in the end of it, but he they may as well have. <laughs> yeah, he, that run was unbelievable by Cup. Uh yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll give them a little bit of a pass because, look, I mean, you could say they weren't ready to play, and yeah, they they did not play well in this game at all. But you lose your quarterback in the middle of the game. And I'd like to think if Goff went down, we would be fine. But I don't know if the game that he went down, we would be able to pull it together after that. But hopefully we don't have to find that out, even though I do like Blake. Uh, let's get to Cup in the Rams offense, but first, let's hear a word from our sponsor, MyBookie. Guys, please listen. Not only will it help us, it's a pretty awesome chance to, to win some money with this app. So here is me talking about MyBookie. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Alrighty. Let's get back to it, Johnny. Cooper Cup. Yeah, you mentioned Cooper Cup, but who, here's a guy I want to talk about. Uh, Jared Goff didn't start at, well... Okay, he did start out great. Had a dime to Brandon Cooks. Definitely cooled off a little bit after that. But uh, second half, I feel like he came alive once again. 19 for 28, 283 yards and a touchdown. Was sacked three times. That could be a concern going into next week, and we will talk about that shortly probably. But what what's your impression of Goff after two weeks? You know, he wasn't perfect, clearly. You know, he did make some mistakes here and there, but uh, overall, I felt like Goff improved tremendously from the first week uh, against the Panthers. But, you know, going up against the Saints defense, who I, I feel is is a little bit on the underrated side, at least the defensive front anyway, I I feel like it's okay, especially too, he, they they lost Austin Blythe, who... I don't know if you could call him a you know a top ten guard or anything like that, but he's a solid guard on a very uh, well on, on a very limited offensive line. I'll say, you know, basically you 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 had to throw in Jamil Demby, who all things considered didn't do that bad. Shockingly, 
Uh, yeah. Like, we, you didn't notice him out there, and we've talked about at length how we did not think this guy was good. So, I mean, the fact that, like, we didn't notice him, man, kudos to him. But keep going. Yeah, I mean, he, he didn't do anything too spectacular, but he didn't do anything that jeopardized the team that much anyway. It was more Rob Havenstein that really was noticeably bad. This, I would say, probably the worst game he's had since his rookie season. And that's saying a lot because he struggled a lot in his rookie season. But, yeah, I, I don't know what, what happened there. I'm hoping that, you know, he, he did have his hands full, admittedly, working uh, up against, you know, uh, Cam Jordan. I, I think that's that's tough for anybody. He is he is an underrated player in my opinion. But uh, yeah, I I don't know what happened to to Havenstein at all. This was not the same guy we've seen even last week. If you go back to last week, he he did a solid job in protecting uh, you know Jared Goff last week. I thought maybe I, I don't know if you could say it was his best performance or anything, but for him to fall this much was just nothing short of shocking but going back to Jared Goff I felt like he was making some of these passes that we're used to seeing very Jared Goff like I I loved when he when he made that pass to uh Cooks Brandon Cooks it it looked like he was returning and especially towards the end he was making smarter decisions a lot smarter than he was making last week so overall, I, I'm hoping that we see his progression even more uh, when, we, when he goes up against Cleveland uh, this week. Yeah, I, to be honest, I sorry, I got I got thrown off because some guy tweeted that picture of all the Rams penalties from the NFC Championship game last. Like, guys, stop posting this picture. It's embarrassing that we're posting this picture. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. No offense to this guy, but Justin Beck, if you're listening, thank you for listening. But <laughs> nothing that happened to us in that game was even close to as egregious as what happened to the Saints. Regardless, we won. Moving on. Yeah, I think this was a fine game from Goff. Uh, he made some great throws. He missed a couple. Uh, he got sacked a couple times. Not Not entirely his fault, but... This was a fine game. Played well. Uh, I was really impressed with him in the second half. And especially, yeah, that throw to Cooks was an absolute dime. The touchdown to Cooks, too, was a, a tough throw. Uh, he put it right on the money, and Cooks made a great catch. Next week, it, and we're going to talk about the Browns later, but road game, primetime, Sunday night football. I it, we'll, we'll get to Goff later, but I think that is going to be the game that is going to be meaningful for Goff. Haven't signed yet, bro. A horrible game, but I'm not overly concerned. Like I don't, he's never played this bad. Uh, so I think it, it. Everybody has bad games. Literally everyone has ever in the NFL has had a big game. So uh, I, because he's been fine for the most part, I'll give him a pass. It is a little concerning that he might be going next to Jamil Demby full time after this performance. And for the people that are going to say, like, well, he had Demby next to him. Well, he didn't for half the game. And he looked bad in the first half as well as the second half. So, uh, deserves to be called out. But also, have some faith in the guy. It happens. Uh, We will. I do want to touch on the injuries in a little bit. But I do want to talk more about 
let's talk about the guys that impressed us. Uh, to me, the standout players were Cooper Cup. Uh, obviously, you mentioned that run. It was an incredible run by him. Uh, a overall, 120 yards, just great performance. Aaron Donald looked like Aaron Donald. You noticed it was Aaron Donald. Uh, he, he played well last week, but you didn't notice him much this week. You could tell he was out there causing havoc. And t- uh, Taylor Rapp, I'll give a shout-out to. Uh, played 62% of snaps and did a great job on Jared Cook, who, for all the shit I give him, man, for a, a rookie guarding a tight end, that's not an easy matchup. And lastly, dude, Nickel Roby Coleman had like six tackles, was blowing up plays. Uh, this is a guy who almost cost us a trip to the Super Bowl, should have cost us a trip to the Super Bowl, and then played horrible in the Super Bowl. Uh, had a bigger chip on his shoulder than anyone going to this game. Man, he balled out. I This was the most like noticeably good game from this guy that I've seen since he joined the team. Uh, I'll disagree a little bit with that statement. Not that he didn't do well, because he did. He, Like you said, he, he was very good in this game. Maybe not last season, but the year before, Nickel Roby Coleman was actually a really good asset on the team. And it wasn't until last season, more towards the end of the season, that he really struggled. So this was a game I felt like was his kind of resurgence, and I'm hoping we continue to see this kind of play from him. I hope it's not just a one game and he reverts back to what he was, you know, towards the end of last season. But I I do think he has a lot of potential. There was kind of a reason why uh, Nicole Roby Coleman earned that contract, that massive contract that he got. So... Um, that's where I'll kind of disagree with you there, but I uh, definitely, definitely agree with the uh, thought of him, you know, really lighting up last, uh, you know, last week. Yeah. An incredible game for him. Uh, I, I got to agree with you about Cooper cup. If anyone was nervous about his knee, Hey, he, he just, he just, uh, proved to everyone that he's healthy and well and everything. I'll even give it up a little bit to Todd Gurley as well. He didn't have, you know, like the most amazing game or anything, but it made me feel a little bit better that that the Rams were comfortable enough putting him more in, um, you know, red zone plays. I think that was more important because it shows that, yeah, they're putting a, a limit on his carries and they're watching what he does, but at the same time, they're comfortable enough to put him in these kind of potentially dangerous situations for him. So I, I and hey, he got a touchdown out of it too. So I, I am happy with what I saw with Todd Gurley, and hopefully this can continue to churn out even more production from him. But overall, I I, I got to agree with pretty much all of your decisions there. Hey, look at how snap butting heads. Uh, let's We can talk about Gurley a little bit. Uh, I was ca- kind of counting their their drives as they went. So I I don't think Gurley not getting red zone carries had anything to do with his health last week. Uh, and it's the same thing in this week. When you watch the game, they bring in Brown for entire drives. And he just kind of lucked out last week and got for whatever. I guess he was up for the drive that they're at the 10. And then the other one, he was in the whole drive. And it was a really good drive. And 
he was a big part of the reason and he was able to punch it in the end zone. Uh, this week, Gurley was in the red zone getting carries because it was his drive. I believe Brown uh, touched the ball in the red zone later on in the game. So Gurley played the first three, then Brown came in, then Gurley came back in and played another three, then I think Brown played two, and then Gurley finished it out. There was one or two drives at the end of the game. So, you know, they weren't like holding him out because he did play like the last drive when the game was in hand. So I personally loved how much they split up the work. I think the final snap count was 64 to 36. I I mean, I'd prefer it to be a little 70, 30, but we're counting pennies at that point. So I think this was a good split. I love seeing Gurley get in the end zone. I think overall he had a a pretty solid day. Uh, We're still waiting on that, that blow up game from Todd Gurley and, and we'll see if it'll come. Hopefully it will. I think everybody could use it, but obviously a good sign the last two weeks. He's looked good. Uh, he hasn't looked first-team all-pro girly yet, but I, I, look, I have faith. I think we're going to get there, and get him getting into the end was great. Weird, not a ton of use for the running backs out of the passing game, though, at all, and this game, no, no sign of Daryl Henderson. Well, uh, you definitely don't need Daryl Henderson at this point just because, as it is, I feel like they're underutilizing both Brown and Todd Gurley. Right. You know? he, he adds no, He would add nothing to the offense right now, and I'm, I'm glad they're being patient. Like, I I like Henderson long term, but he he's clearly the third best running back. He didn't look that good in preseason. Brown looks fucking awesome, and Todd Gurley's Todd Gurley. So I, I don't want to take any snaps away from either of those guys. No, absolutely not. And I, I think the way you use Daryl Henderson, and this may be, you know, when the team gets a little more acclimated as the season goes on, I think the way you use them is in passing situations uh, as that sort of change of pace guy in the backfield. But I don't know if we're there quite yet. Maybe, maybe at the halfway point they can find a way to incorporate him in that role. But I think right now the main point of emphasis is just getting back to the basics, uh, getting more comfortable, getting more in a rhythm. And, you know, that goes for the entire offense. You know, we we talked a little bit about how Jared Goff was looking better than he was in the first week, and he did. And I imagine he's going to look even better uh, in Cleveland, at least hopefully anyway. You know, offensive line gelling, hopefully Austin Blythe will be healthy enough to uh, – you know, continue to make this a more powerful offensive line. Yeah, uh, receivers. Uh, I, I don't think there's really any concerns about receivers, but you know, the receivers look good. You know, the, the Sean McVay has incorporated a lot of trick plays with the receivers because he has that kind of faith in them, and I think that's what it where it's boiling down to at the moment is Sean McVay taking the necessary precautions to say, okay, I trust these guys. Okay, I believe in these guys to where I can use them in different ways now. And I love that approach. And that's one thing I feel like Sean McVay has done well for the most part. It's it's funny because, like, you watch this game and you would think all three receivers had great games. Uh, Robert Woods finished with two catches for 33 yards and one rush for nine yards. Because, uh, like, he had a couple big plays that got called back. He had a touchdown called back. Uh, bad uh, block in the back there by no boom uh, but yeah I'm totally with you my only note on the receivers really is last week they ran quite a few 
four wide receiver spreads. What? What word did I just attempted to come out of my mouth? Spread. <laughs> four <laughs> wide receiver sets with Josh Reynolds this week. They ran none of those, and he played on one snap. So I think the days of fourth starter Josh Reynolds may be over. But, like, honestly, we have a lot to talk about still. (laughs) I don't really care, man. I think he's a decent player, but, like, we don't need him right now. No, no, at this point, there's no need to try and incorporate – or for something that just isn't there. And, and I do think that eventually, you know, I, I do think eventually that McVeigh will put in a few uh, plays for Josh Reynolds, but to expect him to continue to produce week in and week out, I think that's very uh, wishful thinking for Reynolds and uh, very unrealistic for fans or fantasy football owners. Yeah. If you're owning him in fantasy football, cut him. No, no reason. Uh, we're going to talk about the injuries and then get to Cleveland in a second, Johnny. But do you have any parting thoughts? Because we don't – hopefully we won't talk about the Saints until 2020. <laughs> uh, well, as far as the Saints go, I was really happy with how, how the game turned out, obviously. Not just because they got the win, although that's 90% of the reason why, but how they won. You know, this was a really well-earned victory for the Rams. And I, I think it shows the potential overall because I, you have to remember that the Saints are a very talented team. And I think that they will be in the playoffs, you know, obviously. I, I, I know they'll be in the playoffs, especially considering their division. But uh, the uh, Tampa Bay just got a win. Uh, yeah, Tampa Bay. No, don't believe in Tampa Bay. <laughs> I, I mean, I look, I, I they're probably going to make the playoffs, but I will say if they don't do well with Bridgewater, I, I don't think Atlanta's bad. I think Atlanta could win the division, and we're sitting in a division right now that looks pretty fucking good with San Francisco and Seattle, and that could be two wild card teams right there. Dallas and Philly, another division that could produce another wild card team. Uh, it, it, the North does not look great right now. That's another topic, but I, I just I don't think it is a lock with Drew Brees out for the next six weeks that they make the playoffs. But I wouldn't bet Do against you really it either. Philly, though, like I mean, they're too talented to, to write them off. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to make the playoffs either. But like when you look at that wild card contenders right now. And, and look, it's probably too early to predict all this shit. But, you know, I think us and Dallas probably going to win the divisions. And then, you know, you got Packers, Vikings, Bears. Bears look bad, but that defense is too good to count out. Uh, you got Atlanta, who's still in the mix. You, you got, uh, like, the Seahawks are playing great. The 49ers, I, I'm not ready to buy into the 49ers yet, but, like, you know, I'm I'm in the checkout line. I'm in the checkout line getting ready to buy the 49ers. Uh, I just – I don't know if I'm going to make it to the front. And the Eagles, man, they, they're just – they're a good team. I, they're, I don't think they're a great team, but uh, they played well in that game against Atlanta. They just came out on the wrong end. Well, they uh, they have to hope that 
Carson Wentz continues to progress because otherwise your boy Nick Foles is no longer there and uh well he's he's not exactly doing well in Jacksonville either right now. <laughs> he ain't playing. It's uh Gardner Minshew, yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh good good luck, Jacksonville. You are you are slowly diminishing downwards. Uh, it's it, 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 I, I wouldn't call it slow. Uh, it's been a steep decline since they lost to the Patriots in the AFC Championship a couple of years ago. Uh, before we move on, we do got to give a shout-out to our friend Jim Hawk, one of our, our original, our second sponsor, correct? Second yeah. sponsor of the podcast. Uh, one of our favorites, absolutely, and his book, a book that we both read, that we both love, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. This is a book that tells the story of the 1950s LA Rams, the 1950s the sports landscape in general. I mean, you're literally going to learn about how the Dodgers came to Los Angeles in this book on top of learning about the 1950s LA Rams. Uh, from our friend Jim Hockey, the story he tells the story of the team through the lens of his father, uh, John Hawk, who played offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Uh, it, it's the story of his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. You know, incredible, incredible personalities in this book. Norm Van Brocklin, Bob Waterfield, Crazy Legs Hirsch, Tom Fears, Les Richter, they're all featured here. And if you want to get your hands on this book, you go to Hollywood's team. Dot com. You can find it on Twitter at Hollywood Team. It's available in both hardback and electronic form. Uh, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, wherever you're getting your books, Powell's, IndieBound, all on the website. Uh, if you have any questions about ordering it, add them on Twitter at Hollywood Team. Jim will absolutely get back to you guys. We're talking about this book because we love this book. It was honestly a great read. I read it cover to cover. It's worth every penny for any Rams fan out there, but. Just really anyone that's looking for a good story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Again, guys, that's Hollywood's team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. Well worth your time. All right, before we get to Cleveland, we had some injuries this week. Uh, so, we, two of them, Tyler Higby, the $36 million man, uh, was coughing up blood at halftime, which is frightening. Uh, he had a lung injury. Kept him out for the remainder of the game. He's day to day. You know, I'd like to get him back. He's a helpful guy, but out of all our positions, I mean, we got Everett right there. I don't think the talent gap even exists. If it does, it's not very big. I feel okay there. Uh, I mean, do you, have, do you have any thoughts on Higby, or you want to get to the next guy? Well, uh, I just had to point this out just to just to mess with you, Steve. I like how you said. Um, you know, I, I like how you kind of laughed a little bit that he was coughing up blood and then you're like, which is very serious. <laughs> it's just like, it's one of those things where you read it. Like, it's not like a ha ha. This is funny laugh. It's like a ha ha. Excuse me. Like kind of laugh. Like just like <laughs> what? I just, I, I had to mess with you there a little bit, but no, it, it is, it is a scary situation. And uh, thankfully, it wasn't that serious, apparently. I'm sure he felt it was that serious, you know. But um, we'll see We'll see if he misses any time. Hopefully, he doesn't. Because I, I do think he is uh, uh, vital on the roster, especially on the blocking end of things. He, he gets in the 
passing game every now and then, but to me, he's more of a valuable asset in terms of his blocking ability. Yeah, and he's a starter, and you don't want to lose any starters, Uh, and he's definitely a better blocker than Everett. Uh, If he doesn't play, I am curious to see what a full game of Gerald Everett would look like, Uh, but I think we're better with him on the field, so uh, hopefully get him out there. Aaron Donald left the game for, like, what, a drive in this game with a, yeah. with a back problem? Came back right away. Uh, he's day-to-day, but if he came back after a drive, I don't think he's missing this game. Austin Blythe, the biggest one, uh, the most concerning one, he had an ankle injury, kept him out for the game. He was day-to-day. He's day-to-day. I, I think he's up in the air if he's going to play Sunday. I don't think this will, even if he misses Sunday, I don't think it will last very long. I don't expect the team really to bring in a guard because they should get him back sooner than later. But like what if he's not out there, the the offensive line did not look very good against New Orleans. Uh, Cleveland, you know, has a Miles Garrett is a monster. It's it's a tough pass rush to deal with. Jamil Demby stepping in as we mentioned earlier, like it, he was he played good. I I'd say good all things considered just being thrown in for a guy who looked fucking terrible in the preseason. Uh, I'm not even going to loosen my words. He's a guy that's gotten twice or cut twice by two different teams, came back, basically made the roster by default. He damn sure didn't earn a spot in the preseason, uh, but came out and played fine. He played fine. Uh, are you, If Bly doesn't go, like, are you confident the line will hold up? First off, uh, tell us how you really feel, Steve. I, do you disagree? He, he looked awful. <laughs> no, no, I totally agree with you there, but I just think it's so funny. But um, as for Demby, if he does, if he does have to start for Blythe, I'm gonna be a little nervous just because I. It's more along the lines of trusting Demby to be that guy to be that replacement option. It's not a comforting thing. You know, he did he did pretty good for the most part in in you know the New Orleans game, but overall would I feel comfortable him being our starter? No, not at all. And you know, the the Cleveland Browns defensive line alone is something to be concerned about, you know? This is this is a really big test for the offensive line and this is with an offensive line with with Austin Blythe in the starting lineup. You take him out of the equation, and I'm not sure this is going to be a fun game for Jared Goff. You know, so <laughs> probably an understatement. With, oh, I mean, geez, did you see what he did to Trevor Sim- Simeon? Of course you did. You were there. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a they monster. Knocked him out for the season. Oh, oh, hey, we we could talk about that. Look, I, I, I'm with you. I, I, it's concerning, but I, I think from what I've seen from Cleveland, I, I just, I, I think we should win this game, even if the line is worse. It's concerning. Luckily, Garrett's gonna be going against Whitworth. Uh, thank the Lord. Uh, but, I mean, that right side of the line still, Sheldon Richardson, Olivier Vernon, those are two very good defensive linemen. It's concerning that Demby's going to go against Richardson. But, 
and I, I'm cautiously like settled and fine, and we'll see what happens. But I think we can weather the ship. Look, I, I went to the Jets Browns game Monday night, and the Browns fucking suck, man. <laughs> they. I hope these words don't kind of bite me, but like Jesus Christ, here they are not good. Uh, the Trevor Simeon, like, pour one out for him, but he is fucking terrible. Like, some of the worst quarterback play I've ever seen was him opening the drives. The Jets had seven drives in this game, different drives, where they had less than 10 yards. And the Browns, with Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, and Nick Chubb, scored 23 points. They had the ball like the whole game. That's all they could do. One of their touchdowns came on a 90-yard broken play slant route by Beckham. Like, that could happen to us, sure, but, like, real drives, man, they got a blitz. Like, they, they didn't really do anything. And the Jets' defense is decent, but C.J. Mosley didn't play. A couple other guys, key guys didn't play. Tremaine Johnson got benched for some reason. Uh Jamal Adams quit the team after the game. And against that defense, you scored 23 points when the Jets could not do anything. You look at the Browns' defense, yeah, it looks good, but, like, they played Marcus Mariota, Trevor Simeon, and Luke Falk. I bet half of our listeners, maybe more, have never heard of Luke Falk until he trotted onto the field on Monday night and went 20 for 25. Against the Browns' defense. Uh, And their offense is loaded, but, like, Baker, two touchdowns, four interceptions on the air, doesn't look good. They lost 43-13 to to the Titans in Week 1, who we all underrate. We're all guilty of it. But still lost in Week 2 to the Colts, even though they're a good team. The, The Browns have a negative point differential. They haven't played a good quarterback. And, like, they they gave up a lot of big plays to the Titans in that game. Man, I just, dare I say, they hired the wrong assistant coach to coach the team. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, fair to say. That's a fair assessment at this point. One, I, I actually have a lot of things I, I, I have to say here because, there was just so many things the, that kind of correlates to our upcoming game against the Browns. First off, this is kind of like a uh, off-topic note, but how was it seeing you know some some familiar faces there, Steve? I know you saw quite a few familiar faces <laughs> on the Jets alone. Sammy Ficken making a field you- goal for the Jets, their only points of the game. Uh Great moment. The crowd, though, man. The crowd. Ficken <laughs> was busting a Rudy out there, man. The The funniest thing of this game, and it's not related to this podcast, was they were doing so – the Jets were doing so terrible. Like, with Trevor Simeon in, like, he was getting booed out of the building before the injury. Like, it sucks that he got injured. But Luke Falk comes in, <laughs> literally just hands the ball off five plays in a row and bell was getting like six yards of play and the crowd was going ape shit like everyone was just saying luke <laughs> like this guy 
handing the ball off to his running back and finally getting positive yards. I For, like, a terrible game, it was kind of fun to be at. They erupted when Sam Ficken scored points. Uh, they've had some kicker woes. You know, if Sam Ficken's kicking for them, you know they got a little woes. But uh, I didn't notice John Franklin Myers out there really at all. And then Tremaine Johnson got benched. So, uh, no other former Rams on the team, right? Greg Williams didn't hunt anybody. There was uh, Greg Robinson. Oh, my God. Does he start <laughs> on the Browns? Yeah, Good yeah he did. Lord. Uh, well, <laughs> their line did not look good. Eric Cush, too. Eric Cush is their starting right guard. Oh, wow. Wow. Of hard knocks. Going way back. Yeah, so that offensive line is not good. Uh, I mean, we should – our pass rush should tear them apart. I mean, Aaron Donald should have a field day. Clay Matthews should get in the action. Aaron, Dante Fowler, Michael Brockers, all those guys – I think I'd say all four of those guys looked really good against the Saints – and this is a much worse offensive line. Uh, Baker looks like somebody who's going to sophomore slump. And I'm not saying that, like, I'm out on Baker. But it just feels like that's what's about to happen. And I think he'll bounce back later in his career. But I don't know. But <laughs> I, I I completely forgot Greg Robinson starts in this team. That's how you, like, <laughs> I think that just amplifies my point. Oh, tremendously so. Like, I, I am not nervous as you know, actually, I think you and I can both agree. You know, during the off season, the Browns were kind of a, a team that we were both a little bit concerned about. I picked the Rams I, to lose this game. Wow, there, there you have it. And uh, we'll, we'll get to the we'll get to our predictions a little bit later. Spoiler: but... My pick has changed. <laughs> well, if it didn't, I, I'd really. I'd really uh, have to wonder about you, Steve. Like, I, I'm all for sticking to your word and everything, but Steve, uh, I think you might want to change this one. Would be very strange if I didn't change my pick after that rant. No, I, I mean, it would be it'd be really weird. Uh, but, yeah, uh, just to kind of add to your points a little bit, I think you pretty much nailed everything. But, yeah, to touch a little bit about M- Baker Mayfield, it kills me to say this just because I am a Baker Mayfield uh, fantasy football owner. Uh, yeah, it has not been fun, by the way. But actually seeing him play, looked he looked like deer in, deers in a headlight. He, he did not look comfortable out there. And I can't blame him because, you know, all, all Greg Williams did – was uh, <laughs> he just sent pressure the whole game long, and he looked like crap. You know, there's no absolutely no reason why the Jets weren't massacred in this game. Like, I'm talking about, you know, Patriots versus the Dolphins massacre, you know? Th- there's no reason why they didn't blow them out of the water because, you know, you have all this star talent, and it's not getting done. Mayfield was making piss poor decisions. And if they does that against a better defense, like the Rams defense, they're going to make them pay. And while you have guys like OBJ, like you have guys like Landry, you have guys like Chubb, it ain't going to make a, 
bit of difference if they're being hounded by guys like Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib, and then you've got Aaron Donald staring you at directly in the face. This this is going to be a massacre if the uh, if the Cleveland Browns do not adjust. And I have a feeling they're gonna they're gonna basically attack, attack, attack um, on our offensive line and Jared Goff, but offensively, I don't see how they score against the Rams. So as long as the Rams bring their A game, they should win this game. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird because they are so talented, but seems so terrible. Uh, real quick here, we got to give a shout out to our teammates at the Big Heads Podcast Network. We're watching here. Uh, let's hear it. Hey everyone, Chris Williams here inviting you to join me and my co-host Perry Seibert every other Friday for our podcast. We're watching here, we're watching here. Every other Friday we talk movies from our favorite directors to looks back at vintage releases to our thoughts on today's current trends. This is all backed up with the knowledge of two guys who've been writing about films for years and talking about them their entire lives. From Spielberg to Soderbergh and Malick to Michael Bay, we are opinionated moviegoers giving you opinionated movie talk. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts from Big Heads Media. And now, on with the show. Hey, Johnny, we could, I think your, your last point can transition right into what I want to talk next, which is our X factors for the game. They are going to blitz the Rams, and my X factor is Jared Goff. It's a road game, which he's not played great in. It's Sunday Night Football, which we don't play great in. The, he's going to get pressured. He's going to have to make tough throws. And I, I think he does it. I think like, I think this is going to kind of be a fuck you game from Jared Goff. Like, just coming out, bringing his A game, showing out on national TV against, for all the shade, we just gave him a, a talented and solid overall defense. But I think that like, if he comes out, if he handles the pressure well, if he makes throws, if he doesn't make mistakes, we win this game in a route. Even if, like, they'll probably get a big play or two touchdown on offense because that happens when you have one of the five best receivers in the league, another good receiver in Landry, and a very good young running back in Chubb. They're going to break open a big play. I really, I like, it'll happen. But I, I think... This is the game. This needs to be a a performance and a big moment for Goff. Uh, he's he's played well in primetime before, but never been Sunday night. And I think the Rams can make a big statement to the rest of the league here. But even though the Browns aren't good, to the with a blowout victory in Cleveland, it'll be a tough crowd on a primetime game. In a way, I kind of feel like they made that statement already against the Saints. It's just been masked by the, you know, referee controversy. But well, and Andrew Brees getting injured. Eh, I guess, but <laughs> it, uh, it, I I I somewhat agree though. Eh, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> the Saints got their asses handed to them, twenty-seven to nine. They got their asses handed to them. Yep, literally Next, in the books. He, Yep. So my question for you, Steve, is if if basically Aaron Donald 
can knock out Drew Brees by giving him a high five. What's going to happen when he has to go up against Craig Robinson and, you know, basically dismantle him and embarrass him? I, I feel for Baker Mayfield already. That's my X factor is Aaron Donald. This guy, for whatever reason, there's been people like kind of doubting. I, I don't know if you've seen that. I've seen some people on Twitter and a couple of other areas where it's like, where's Aaron Donald been? How come he's not registering all these sacks? Well, first of all, you have to remember that even though he's not making these numbers like he was last year, doesn't mean he wasn't impacting the game. Like I said, he just gave Breeze a high five and he took him out the game. So (laughs) if you're going to put that into effect, uh, and you only have Greg Robinson to really block him. Yeah. Um, I I think Baker Mayfield might want to pull out some extra insurance here because there, there's no way that Aaron Donald doesn't leave this game with at least three or four sacks. No, I, yeah, I mean, dude, we... Like, you break it down. Heading into this game... As talented as the Browns are, this is the worst quarterback they had to prep for. This is the worst running back they had to prep for. Even though how talented these guys are, and we still, uh, whatever prep we did for McCaffrey, it didn't work. Uh, whatever prep we did for Kamara, it finally worked. So, like, there's, there is a lot of good players in this Browns team. A lot of, like, elite players at their position, I'd argue, for a couple guys like Odell, Garrett, uh, Denzel Ward, I don't know if I'd call him like elite elite yet, but he's he's getting there. It's a talented team, but like we should shell these guys from what we've seen from Cleveland this year. Like they don't look good. They do not they are not living up to the preseason hype they had. And like we have. You know, we have. And we should I don't know how confident I am that we will like blow them out, but this should not be a close game with the information we have after two weeks, like at all. Uh, no, absolutely. You, you know, the, uh, as far as, as far as the Browns go, they don't match the hype. They, and, and I, I'm not going to lie. I was, I was a buyer into the hype. They on paper, they look like a really solid team. It's just there are little things on their squad currently that need some polishing in order for them to actually become the team that I think they are, you know, that they could be. But in the end, I think that the Rams, the Rams are going to show like what what they've been, you know, trying to accomplish for the past couple of seasons, really. And uh, in this game. It, it will be, in a way, a statement game. Like you said, it's not the same kind of accomplishment if they had matched the hype. But it's also going to send a message to the league that, you know, this is going to be a team you don't want to face. And right now, I, I'm, I'm actually really happy with the way things are going because it looks more, more like my prediction might come true. And uh, good old Derek will have to eat crow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Derek in in his homeland. Uh, prediction: 
I originally predicted a 35 to 34 win for Cleveland. My new prediction is a 34 to 13 victory for the Rams. Uh, I, I, like, I feel like I'm being a little bit of a hater here because there's a lot of talent on this Browns team, but like the jet, like the Jets did everything they could to let the Browns blow that game open last night, and they had it in hand the whole game, but like it was. They were a couple miraculous Odell plays not happening away from this being like a 13 to 3 game. And those plays are going to happen because they have Odell Beckham on the team. That that's what you get when you have him on the team, but like like Chubb does like Chubb, yeah, he's good, but like he doesn't really concern me that long as long as they can keep Beckham in check. I even shut down. I mean, Thomas had 10 receptions for 89 yards last year. You hold Beckham to like that kind of numbers. I see no way where the Browns put up enough points to win this game. No, I, it'll help. But and and I do think like I do think he will be a factor in a way so that he might make a play or two. But overall, the Rams I think are going to win in a big way. I'm going to even make an even bolder uh, prediction than what I originally made. I have no idea what I said. I know I had the Rams winning, but I'm pretty sure it was way closer than what uh, I'm about to say right now. Uh, I think the Rams end up winning this game 45-10. Wow, even more ambitious than me. (laughs) Um, All right. We talked enough about the Browns. Is there any I'll, I'll give you one thought about the general NFL before we wrap up. My thought is I, I I'm back to thinking Zach Taylor is probably not going to be a very good coach. That that's all I got to say. Uh I I refuse to com- make a decision on my Kingsbury take yet, but I I will double down on my Zach Taylor take. Uh yeah, I I'm still I'm still going to say that uh, Kingsbury is still a terrible hire, <clears throat> but uh, Taylor for sure was a terrible hire. Although I will say I might eat a little bit of crow for what I've said about the Baltimore Ravens, particularly Jackson. Uh, might have to eat crow there. He's looking remarkably good. Hey, look, man. And the Cardinals just lost by six to the Ravens. I mean, I, they got to give Kingsbury a little credit. Like, I don't think that Cardinals team is very good, and they're they're doing okay. Uh, but yeah, the Ravens look fucking good, and Jackson looks like an absolute baller. Also, I'm still not sure how the Chargers lost to the Lions, but there's that. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe that that says even more about the the Cardinals than we're saying. They tied the Lions. Maybe, Maybe the Lions are good. Uh, I don't think they're good. But <laughs> Steve, what, what what are you smoking in the upstate? <laughs> we're downstate. Well, not as down as uh, you guys, but we're as downstate as you can get in New York. I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, we will be back next week. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams. You can find me at Steve Ribeiro. You can find Johnny at Johnny5.6. 
And uh, stay tuned for other shows during the week. Rams Talk Radio coming to you tomorrow and Rams Uncensored back on Friday. Uh, But happy to beat the Saints and we will talk to you guys next week. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that we're going to see him soon. You feel me? control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.